Hey, what's up, Salem Fields? I'm your host, Pastor Jason. We're just so excited you decided to join us this weekend. You know, we got a lot going on, and we're excited about that as we kind of are in this Lenten season, moving towards Easter, and um, we're going to be continuing our CrossFit series. You know, over the next few moments, I just want to let you know what it is that you can expect today. You know, um, once I get done with these announcements, we're going to enter into a time of just lifting up praise to God. You know, this weekend marks the one-year anniversary of the of the the corona uh, pandemic here in the United States. And, um, you know, that brought with it a lot of things over the past year that, uh, you know, just seemed to bring us down. But yet, here we are one year later, and uh, we have a lot to be grateful for that. And so that's why we want to lift up praises to God today as we sing in, in this in this service. And then after the message, um, after this, the music, um, we're going to be able to hear a message from Pastor James as we continue our CrossFit series. And we're going to be talking about the exercise of worship. You know, worship is much more than us gathering here um, in this online platform or in the building in person, or even lifting up the songs that we uh, sing on the weekend. We So many of us think that is worship. But yet, Jesus tells us worship is much more than that. Worship is about not the things that we do, but the, the condition of our heart. And that's a 24-7 thing. And we're going to learn more about how we can follow the personal trainer of Jesus Christ in the act of worship, uh, in, the, in the heart of worship, I should say, this week. And so I'm excited about that. Um, you know, we want to make sure we're staying connected with you here. Um, and so if you could, please take the time to fill out your connection card. You can go by, uh, do that by connecting um, on at www.salemfield.com slash contact or clicking on the link that's in your chat room right now and i mean you no know, thinking of that go over to your chat room say hello to the host today that's me i'm excited about being here for you and um and just so we know you're here worshiping with us and you know that connection card is so important to us because it lets us know how we can better connect with you and then um you know, there's just a lot of different things that are going on. Make sure that if that connection card, you can get our e-news, the news you can use. It lets you know with all the, the special events that are coming up for the Easter season. And uh, we want to make sure you're staying connected. And then, you know, you can also uh, participate in the act of uh, one of the ways of worship is that of giving your heart to God through your giving. And um, and you can do that today. I encourage you to give today through our Give tab um, that's at the top of your screen. Or you can use our app or go to our website. You know, we're so excited about all that's going on here and um, want to make Make sure that we're staying connected. Be sure to stick with us um, uh, today, um, or I mean, if you're watching with us on Sunday, um, we're going to have our live Zoom dot lobby time again at 10:15 to 11:40, 10:45, uh, um, and you'll be able to go to the Zoom link that uh, we'll provide for you in the service later. Again, we're excited about being here. Let's go and lift up the praises to God today. In church, stand to our feet here together, and even at home, stand to your feet and join us as we sing together.
feeling good with that lost hour of sleep? See, you guys came in. Everyone joining us online, you guys still in bed watching or joining us? So, well, hey, we're glad that you're here. Tone's got a couple of announcements for us. They decided to let me out the cage this morning. Everybody doing well this morning? All right. <laughs> so, I had to instruct the 9 a.m. service about this, too. So, I'm the youth pastor here, and I instruct my students that I need a response when, when it's called for, okay? And there are going to be a lot of times throughout these next few moments where that's going to be called for. Is that cool? See, so you're like, yeah, I like that. That's good. That's good. Awesome. Hey, well, one of the ways that we worship here at church is through tithes and offerings. So you can give out at the kiosks, or you can give online. Everybody say Online. Or if you're watching us online, you can hit that green giving button. Next, we got connection cards. And connection cards help us get to know you, whether or not you've made, uh, you've moved maybe. I don't know. Maybe you got some new information. Well, we want to get to know you through that, and that's going to help us. So if you need to do that, go ahead and fill one of those connection cards out, whether it be in person or online. All right, next, we got Facebook check-ins. If you are on Facebook or if you have any social media app for that matter, go ahead and just put a little tag up that says you're chilling with us at SFCC. You can do that now as I'm talking. Okay, next we got Easter. Everybody say Easter. Easter. Awesome. We got a Thursday prayer service. We got a Friday, which is a good Friday service. We've got a Saturday service, which this is going to be a little bit different, where we're going to be at the Thurman Brisbane Center. Everybody say Thurman. Brisbane. 
We're going to be at the Thurman Brisbane Center for that Saturday service. And then that's going to be followed by a 6.30 a.m. sunrise service, right? That's going to be an awesome time where we get to hear the word while the sun rises. It's going to be great. And then we got our 9 and 11 a.m. services to follow. We hope you all join us for that. All right. And a part of that Easter service, say this with me. Say serve and attend. A part of that Easter service is we want you guys to help us out by not only attending a service, but hopefully serving at one of those services. Because I just said a whole lot of things about a whole lot of services that we got going on, which a lot of you probably didn't understand. You probably have to go back and then read it all over again, and then you get it, blah, 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 blah. But we want you to help us by serving at one of those events. So that would be cool. If you want more information on how you can serve, you can go to salemfields.com slash Easter serve. Everybody say Easter serve. All right. And then next we got an egg venture. So what that's going to entail is that I'm going to be laying out a bunch of eggs throughout the property here. And I'm inviting each and every one of you along with your families to come participate and try to find those eggs. All right? If you find them, that's great. But the real prize is, yes, if you invite a family member, or not a family member, a family, right? If you can invite a family that will come here, you'll be entered into a raffle to win a gift card. Not just any gift card, but a cool gift card. Okay? It's a cool gift card. No, but again, that's going to be on March 27th. It's going to be from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. I hope you can make that. And last but not least, we've got a 5K run that's going to be happening. Everybody shout out if you do 5Ks up in here. That's what I thought. <laughs> got, a, got, a, got a few people in here. Guys, it's going to be an awesome time where we can connect not only with people in here, but along with our community, guys. We've got a great community here, and we've got a lot of runners in here. Um, we want to connect with all of you. We want to connect with everybody, right? So get connected in that. There's going to be a training program that starts on Sunday. You can connect with the training group on Facebook, and there are full details and links to the group at salemfields.com run. Say run one time. Watch this video. I looked, and there before me was a throne in heaven, with someone sitting on it. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne there was a sea of glass, like crystal. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, 
the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of millions of angels. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Good morning to you. Glad to have you here today. Now, you guys were the ones who were able to spring forward. See, in about an hour, there are going to be people tuning in or showing up. And not only are they going to have missed the service, but they're going to say, oh, at least we got to hear the message. And the message will be already done because we're starting early this morning. We're so glad you're here. We've been in this CrossFit series and we've been talking about spiritual fitness and what does it mean to be spiritually fit. And, and our key verse for the series is found in 1 Timothy 4.8. And it says this, workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so making you both fit for today and forever. And here's what we learned so far. Number one, we've learned that spiritual growth is all about balance. That balance in our lives is important. Secondly, we've learned that uh, we need to remove growth barriers, that we have growth barriers in our lives, and we need to remove those growth barriers if we're going to grow spiritually. And then last week, we discovered that chewing on the Word of God, meditation, is the key that opens other spiritual exercises that aid in our spiritual growth. And this morning, we're going to look at the spiritual exercise of worship, because worship is all in the heart. So I thought for this morning that we would do, I would do some kind of exercise or demonstrate some kind of exercise that would get my heart pumping. So I'm looking at my watch right now, and Siri's trying to think I'm talking to her, I'm not. I'm looking at my watch right now, and uh, <laughs> Siri's thing. Uh, it's my, my, my heartbeat is about 117. 
Uh, I don't know what that, if that's good or bad, but it's 117. And so I'm going to do some push-ups because there's nothing like some push-ups that will get your heart rate going, okay? So let, let's just, I don't, know how many, I don't know how many I'm going to do, and I don't know how much time I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do some. And, and let's see, I'm going to just kind of sit right here, and I'm going to start, and I'm going to do some push-ups, and let's see how this goes, okay? Are you ready? You can count with me. Okay. Okay. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, so, getting your heart rate up. My heart rate is now 137. So it went up a little bit. You have to see how winded I'm going to be during the rest of the first of the sermon. So, so here's the deal. Today's exercise is going to get my heart pumping with some of these CrossFit routines, right? And so let me give you some introductory thoughts on what it means to worship or what worship is all about. Number one, worship is individual and personal. It is communal and corporate because we worship gathered in community here in our live campus and on our online campus and all over the world. We are called to what I call 24-7, 24-7 lifestyle of worship. Number two, worship in the New Testament speaks to how we act or live our lives in the presence of God. It, it's, it's most basic sense. Worship is the proper response of belonging believers to God. Number three, true worship is restricted to those who know God and are in a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. So today's scriptural focus is a scene that takes place in heaven. It's one of my favorite scenes in the Bible, a scene that takes place in heaven. So turn with me to Revelation chapter 4. We're going to be looking at chapters 4 and 5, but turn with me to Revelation chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 10, all right, as we discover several truths about worship which will help us grow spiritually. So here's what it says. Then I looked. And oh, a door opened into heaven. The trumpet voice, the first voice in my vision called out, ascend and enter. I'll show you what happens next. And I was caught up at once in a deep worship. And oh, a throne set in heaven with one seated on the throne, suffused in gems, hues of amber and flame with the nimbus of emerald. 24 thrones circled the throne with 24 elders seated, white-robed, gold-crowned, lightning flash and thunder crash pulsed from the throne. Seven fire-blazing torches fronted the throne. These are the sevenfold spirits of God. Before the throne, it was like a clear crystal sea. Prowling around the throne were four animals. All eyes, eyes to look ahead, eyes to look behind. The first animal was like a lion, the second like an ox, 
The third like a human face. The fourth was like an eagle in flight. The four animals are winged, each with six wings. They were all eyes seeing around and within. And they chanted night and day, never taking a break. Holy, holy, holy is God our master, sovereign, strong. The was, the is, the coming. And every time the animals gave glory and honor and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the age after age living one, the 24-hour elders would fall prostrate before the one seated on the throne. They worshiped the age after age living one. They threw their crowns at the foot of the throne, chanting, worthy, O master. Yes, our God, take the glory, take the honor, the power. You created it all, and it was created all because you wanted it. What an amazing, amazing scene in heaven. So look with me at chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation. I want you to notice three things about worship. Worship is fundamentally theological. The ones who know him best worship him most. Can you say that with me again? The one who knows him worships him. The ones who know him best worship him most. It is impossible to worship God if you don't know him. And since true worship, true worship is a response of knowing him, the more we know about God, the better we can worship or ascribe to him the worship that he is due. The scene the scene presented to us in Revelation 4 and 5 is one where elders and the angels that know God far better than we do. And the, and the depth of their worship is directly tied to their knowledge of God. What this says to you and me is this. If we want to really worship God, if we want to worship him from the heart, we better do a better job at getting to know him. We need to become preoccupied with knowing God. How do we do that? We do that through studying the word of God and through developing a personal relationship with God. See, far too many Christians, far too many belongers see worship as a ritual or something that we do on Sunday mornings or Saturday nights with, with drums and with our voices and with guitars and, and keyboards. And we see it as, as, a, as a singing service when in reality it's about knowing God and responding personally to the one that we know. And for the record... Worship is not about us. It is about him. The one, uh, it's one of the reasons, and it's one of the reasons, and it's so sad that we get tied up into worship wars, and, and we get tied up into saying, I want hymns, or, or I want choruses, or I want rock songs, or I want jazz-like Christian music. Can you say this with me? It's not about me. Worship is not about me. It's not. See, we think it's about us. And so we will take worship and we will define it to something that we like or something that we get into or something that makes us feel good. But worship is not about us. It's about God. In the summertime, I will do a series on Revelation, three summers, verse by verse on Revelation. And here's the key thing about Revelation. Revelation is not about a beast. It's not about 666. It's, it's, not, it's not about bang and boom and destruction. 
Revelation is all about the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world, right? Revelation is about Jesus. And then any time we get it into, we get into all a bunch of other stuff that's peripheral to the main thing, Revelation is about keeping the main thing the main thing. And at the center of Revelation, we see scene after scene after scene where the Messiah, where Jesus is worshipped. And so in these chapters that we're talking about this morning, this is what we see. Jesus is the main thing. What that means, folks, is you can worship God with a pipe organ or a kazoo. You can worship God with no instruments at all because worship is more than what we do singing. It's more than that. Listen to the four living creatures say and notice the profound theological content of their worship. They make several theological statements here. Number one, the existence, the, excuse me, the exercise of worship is about the holiness of God. Listen to them. They say, holy, holy, holy is God our master. What they're saying about God, this is what they're saying, that he's holy, that he's set apart, that he's transcendent, that he's perfect, that he's without sin. And part of their worship is speaking eternal truths about God and is born out of their knowledge of God. This is theology. Truth about God. He is holy. He is transcendent. He is pure. He is different from his fallen creation. The second thing they say is the exercise of worship is about the sovereignty of God. Listen to what they say. Holy, holy, holy is the God our master, sovereign, strong. As they sing their hymn of praise, they recognize the sovereignty of God over all creation. They view a God who sees him, who sees him for who he is, the Lord of lords, the King of kings. There's nothing outside of his dominion and no one who will escape his notice or his fair judgment. Remember that the Bible book of Revelation is written at a time of extreme persecution, Nero, is persecuting Christians. He's dipping them in tar and he's setting them on fire to light the path of the road that they're walking on. They have crosses lining the road and the crosses are meant to say to anyone, if you decide that anyone but the emperor is God, this is what happens to you. So Christians were being killed for their faith in Jesus. And part of what we need to remember is that God, remember, is that the God that we worship, that the theological truth says that God is almighty and he reigns. The difficulties that we encounter here on earth do not go unnoticed by God. He knows and is in control of every circumstance. So I don't know what you're going through today. I know that the whole world is going through a pandemic, and I know we've lost a lot of people, and I know a lot of people has, have suffered financial loss, and we can go on and on and on. But let me say to you, just in case you think that God is not in control, he is. And God is a God who takes everything and works it to the good of those who love him, those are called according to his purpose. Let me say something to you today, just in case you think that we would be a church wringing our hands and concerned about, here's what I believe. I believe the pandemic has been the best thing that ever happened to the church. It's got us out of our safe confines of where we are and has pushed us out into the world. It's moved us 
It's helped us to depend on God, to remember that God is the one that we depend on, not our resources, not our finances, not our buildings, not any of these things. God. Here's the deal. This truth should bring every belonger great comfort. These heavenly beings speak the truth about the sovereignty of God. He's almighty God. He's ruler of all nature, and he is for us. That's good news today. Maybe somebody's put a bargain basement price tag on you. Maybe they called you a blue light special sale. I'm dating myself when I say that. Maybe they thrown you in the, the markdown bin. But the God, who, the God who created you, the God who knows the hairs on your head, that God knows you. That God is for you. And so here's what I want you to do today. I don't care what people have told you. I don't care how you were raised. I want you to know that God is for you today. And, and he's for you. And he sent his son for you. Not when you got yourself cleaned up. Not when you were ready to receive his son. Not when you were ready to bow your knee. But the Bible says when we were of no use whatsoever to him, Christ died for us. And that means wherever you are today, whatever your situation is, God's for you. He loves you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. And you know what he did? He wanted to have it so bad that he made it possible by sending his son, the lamb, so that you and I could be back in right relationship with him. So they have spoken of his holiness. They have spoken of his sovereignty. And now they speak the truth about him in eternity. The exercise of worship is about the eternal nature of God. Listen to what they say. Holy, holy, holy is God, our master, sovereign, strong. The was, the is, the coming. I love that. The was, the is, the coming. There's never been a time when he was not. He has always been. He does not change. And so what that means is he is as he was. He will always be as he is and was. Did that confuse you? Let me read it again. He is as he was, and he will always be he is and, and, and was. He will always be as he is and was. That God, the God who was yesterday, who's always existed, the God who is present today and who is in your tomorrows, he's always been there. So the emphasis of their worship here is on the reality that God is holy, that he is sovereign over the past, over the present, and over the future. Number four, their exercise of worship is about Jesus being worthy of adoration. But then if we look at the last verse of chapter 4, the elders cast their crowns before him and they say this, Worthy, O Master, yes, our God, take the glory, the honor, the power. You created it all. It was created because you wanted it. The theological nature of worship continues here as the elders recognize that they they. Uh, that he alone is worthy because he is the creator of things and the very reason that things exist. You are not here by accident. You are not the result of billions of years of evolution and some biological accident in a pre-mortal goop. You are here by the specific will and design of the holy, 
almighty, eternal creator. He created you in his image and for a specific purpose. You're not here by accident. Maybe you were, maybe you were born out of wedlock like I was. You're not here by accident. Maybe you haven't discovered your purpose yet. You're not here by accident. Maybe you've been thrown away. You're not here by accident. And, and maybe the world and the culture is telling you you're nobody. You're not here by accident. God created you with a specific purpose. He has something for you to do. He wants to use you to change the world. And so don't give in and don't give up. Don't run away from your purpose. Don't allow the adversary to get you to live be, 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 uh, below your purpose or below what God has created for you. And know that it's never too late. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how you failed, it's never too late. God is always waiting. God is always willing. God's grace goes before us. And he makes a way out of no way for us. That's good news this morning. That's good news. God is someone to whom, because of that, that means that God is someone to whom you can trust your life. He is someone to whom you can commit your soul. He is he's not a lesser God that's affected by the rise and fall of human opinion. He's not some demigod who's subject to the whims of his creation. He is holy, almighty, eternal. He's the creator, and we are his creation. These are deep theological truths about God. So much of modern-day Christianity is superficial and, and centered on humanity rather than God. Don't buy the hype. A gospel whose primary goal is to get you to look down at your stuff and not look up at God is, is not a gospel of the Bible. Don't buy into it. If you read these chapters over and over if you meditate like we talked about last week on them, you will find that not only do these creatures worship God for who he is, but, but, but they also worship him for what he's done. Look at Revelation 5, 9, where Jesus the Lamb is being worshipped. Listen to what they say. And they sang a new song worthy. Take the scroll. Open the seals, slain, paying in blood. You brought men, you bought men and women, bought them back from the dead, from, the, from all over the earth, bought them back for God. Jesus is worthy of our worship and praise, not just because he's God, and he is, but because of what he has done, because he shed his blood to pay the price for our sins and therefore offers us eternal life. He is worthy of worship. Theology is not just knowing about the character of God, but also about the work of God. True worship extols the nature and the work of God and brings us to a more vivid understanding of who it is that we are worshiping. See, if you cultivate this discipline, this exercise of worship in your life, and you want your worship to be authentic, you need to preoccupy yourself with knowing God, knowing who God is and what he's done. And let me add, this knowledge is not based on how you feel. 
Oh my goodness gracious, oh my goodness gracious. So much of what we experience is based on who we feel. And so if we're having a great day and all everything is firing on all the cylinders, we feel like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm worshiping God and I'm close to God. But if something blindsides us, if some circumstance moves into our lives that we're not prepared for, all of a sudden God is distant. It's not based on how you feel. It's not based on what someone has told you. It's nice to have people in our lives. But, but this worship is based, on, is based on the revelation of God through Scripture. The more you know him, the more you will be driven to worship him. Those who know him best worship him most. So those are some of the theological truths. Let's talk about some practical things. Because they say, somebody would say, James, the, the theology is great, but, but I live here on earth. I live here where, where all the stuff happens. Well, let's talk about some practical aspects of worship. Worship is immensely practical. Worship is something that we do, number one. It's something that we say, number two. It's something that we give. It involves action and something that we practice, Worship is not about us feeling good. It's about us doing and saying and being what God has created for us to do, say, and be. It involves specific, intentional action on our part directed towards God. So I want you to know four things. There's so many more than four, but we would be here to one and two o'clock in the afternoon. And you wouldn't like that if I went through all of them. But I want to talk about four things. Four things. Uh, that these two small chapters talk to us about in worship. Number one, true worship involves purity. True worship involves purity. We don't like that word. This is a scene which takes place in heaven, a place where there's no sin, where there's no selfishness, where there's no pride. The elders are robed in white, which speaks of their purity. Worship in heaven is perfect because of the absence of sin. But purity in our lives is not measured in absolutes. While we are positionally pure in God's eyes because of the blood of Jesus shed for us, the condition of our lives is sometimes not always what it should be. So, so as long as we remain on earth and as long as we're doing life here, we're going to deal with sin. We're going to deal with temptation. So we have to daily surrender ourselves to the purifying spirit of God that will, that will come and change us from the inside out and help us to move beyond doing what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. God has the ability to take and, and take us to a place in maturity with him where we grow to a place where we're not always just doing whatever we want to do and whatever feels good, do it. Let me say this to you. There's a lie that goes out that says if you feel like you want to do it and, and you feel like it's good for you, just do it. It's what got our four parents in trouble in a garden, a perfect garden, in a relationship with God, in the spring of the day, in the cool of the day. They're in a perfect relationship with God, but they see something. They see something at the center of the garden, a piece of fruit, and when it looks good for knowledge, and it was just sense that this person would look, it would look good for knowledge. It felt good to eat. It was good. And they, and they made the mistake of doing whatever they wanted to do whenever they wanted to do it. No. No, God wants to have a relationship with us. 
where his Holy Spirit begins to transform us from the inside out. So it's not just about what we want to do. More important than what we want to do is what God wants us to do. More important than what we want to go is where God wants to go. And so God begins to transform us. And here's what happens. The more pure our lives are, not in our own doing, not by bootstrapping it, but by the power of the Holy Spirit working inside us to transform us from the inside out to purify our lives, the the more that that happens, the better our worship. It's almost like Isaiah. Maybe you remember in Isaiah chapter 6. He, 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 he goes in this scene, and this scene is much like what we see in Revelation. And, and Uzziah, the king, has died, and, and everybody is concerned what's going to happen now. <laughs> and so in the king, the year the king Uzziah died, Isaiah sees the master sitting on the throne, highly ex, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And he, he sees the, these angel seraphs. And, and, he, and he sees this action in, in, in heaven and he is undone because he realizes that heaven is pure and heaven is holy and he is not. And he says, doomed is doomsday. I'm as good as dead. Every word I've spoken is tainted, blasphemous even. And the people I live and talk the same way, using the words that corrupt and desecrate. And I've looked God in the face, the king, the God of the angel armies. And the Bible says that one of the angels took the tongues from the altar and got a coal and touched his mouth and said, now you're clean. That's what God does for us. That's what the blood of Jesus did for us. Even though we're a sinful people and we live amongst people who are sinful, the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary begins to wash away our sins and God sees us in light of the blood. And that makes all the difference in the world. When we come into worship of God, we should examine ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to examine us and be like David and ask the question, search me, O God, and know me. What did Jesus say? If you're going to to the altar, if you're going to the altar and and, and you're going to worship and and you realize that that, that, that someone has an offense against you or you have an offense against someone, leave your gift there and go and make it right and then come back and present your gift. See, when we come to worship, we want to come with clean hands. This goes way beyond us sitting in a singing service, (laughs) in a church service. It's way beyond that. It's a lifestyle. Don't bother going through the emotions if it's not going to be real. Let God show us the hidden areas of our life. Let him show the things in our hearts that's keeping us from knowing him and being known by him because he wants us to know him. Number two, true worship involves humility. Revelation 4.10 says this, the 24 elders were fall prostrate before the one seated on the throne and they worshiped the age after age living one. 5a says the four animals and the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the lamb. 5.14 says the elders fell down on their knees and worshiped. It should go 
It should not go unnoticed that the 24 elders are themselves seated on thrones. They're seated on thrones around the center throne among their human peers. These 24 elders are exalted. They're exalted to the point that they're giving thrones in the very throne room of God. They're also giving golden crowns, crowns which signify rewards in life. Well lived and races well run and yet... What is it that they do? They fall down and they worship the lamb. One of the two words in the Bible that's translated worship literally means to lie down, prostrate, face down on the ground before him. Somewhere along the way, we've lost this sense of awe, this sense of reverence that comes with worship. Somewhere along the way, we've kind of bought into this mentality that he's the man upstairs. We, we bought into the mentality that he's our homeboy, or, or we bought into this mentality that he's our, B, B, our BFF or, or something like that. But those who know him best and who worship him most do not see him this way. They recognize him for who he is, and they fall down and worship humility before God is an absolute necessity, excuse me, if we're going to worship him the way we should. James 4, 6 says this. God goes against the willfully proud. God gives grace to the willfully humble until we come to this point where we can abandon all hope in ourselves and our positions and our possessions, and our pride, until we come to this point, like the prophet Isaiah, and see ourselves for who we are without Christ, we will never experience true worship. But not only does this worship involve purity and humility, worship involves surrender. Look at verse 10. They threw their crowns at the foot of the throne. I was originally, when I was writing this, was thinking, well, I should say worship involves sacrifice. <laughs> but sacrifice is included in surrender. <laughs> so you can sacrifice without s- surrender, but you can't surrender without sacrifice. The crowns represent rewards. They were giving these crowns based on their faithfulness. They were giving these crowns based on what they did for the Lamb. But notice, instead of holding on to their crowns and remaining on their thrones, they step out for their thrones. They throw their crowns down and they fall down their feet, worshiping the one who made everything possible. The one who gave them the crowns in the first place. The one who gave them the seats in the first place. See, sometimes God will give us something. He will bless us. And we want to hold on to that. We want to hold on to it and keep it to ourselves. It's like Abraham, which I'm going to talk about in a couple minutes, who God gives him the son of promise, and then God says to him, give the son back to me. So God calls us, like the 24 elders, to take the crowns and to take the thrones and put them before him. So you cannot come to worship God with a cheapskate heart. You can't truly worship God unless you're willing to surrender everything you are and everything you have to him. 
See, one of the reasons why people never experience authentic, authentic worship is because they insist on holding back, keeping things to themselves, keeping aspects of their lives off limits to God, keeping aspects of their past or their present or future, or just keeping things from him. And so what they do, well, they will just kind of hold on to things and hoard those things. I'm not talking just about material possessions. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about uh, uh, surrendering agendas and, and, and our future and our hopes and our reputation for him. Some of us can't worship authentically because we're so afraid of what people are going to think for, about us if we decide to worship. We, de we, we decide that people are going to think I'm crazy. People are going to think somehow I've gone off the deep end. But remember David. David is so, is so amazingly, is so amazingly uh, in relationship with God that, that he comes off of his throne and he walks out into the street and he's worshiping God naked and his wife says have you lost your mind are you have you lost your mind and he says no 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 no. I'm going to worship God and sometimes we care so much about what people think and care very little about what God thinks sometimes we get it mixed up the Bible says don't care about the one that can destroy the body. Care about the one that can destroy the body and the soul. Care about what he thinks. There's been so many times in my life where I've had to surrender. I've had two kids, and both, and, and it's, it's almost like God knew that these kids were going to be more important, that they could take a more important position than he in my life. And so when we were having Jasmine, I remember the day having, our, having the in my head argument between myself and God about her and, and, and having to say, okay, God, I, I, I put her on the Mount Moriah. I, I give her to you, and if you decide to take her, then you can take her. And the same thing with Jay. Jay I mean, just, just praying, God, 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 do this, do this for Jay, do this for Jay. And God says, just, just give them to me and, and love them. Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church, says this. Surrender your life means this, following God's lead without knowing where he's sending you. Isn't that what Abraham did? Abraham, go to a place I will show you. He gets up early in the morning. Abraham, take your kid to Mount Moriah. He gets up early in the morning. Surrendering means waiting for God's timing without knowing when it will come. Surrender means expecting a miracle without knowing how God will provide it. Surrender means trusting God's purpose without understanding the circumstances. Listen, without him, you and I would be nothing or we would have nothing. Everything you are and have is because of him. You cannot worship him if you don't trust him. And if you're, not un if you're unwilling to surrender him, it means everything to him. It means that you don't trust him. Worship involves praise. Praise is the most, at its most elemental level is speaking of the excellence of God. Revelation 19, 4 and 5 says this. The 24 elders and the four animals fell to their feet and worshiped God on the throne, praising him, amen, yes, hallelujah. From the throne came a shout, a command, praise our God, all you his servants, all you who fear him, small and great. And 5.9 says they sang a new song. Praise involves acclaiming 
the wonders and the excellence of God, not just in the church building where it's easy, but out in the community where it's harder. True praise means that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you give praise to God in front of those who know him and especially in front of those who do not know him. We who know him have a responsibility to make him known to those who do not know him. And last but not least, worship is ultimately personal. Worship is not something that we do. It is who we are and how we live. Worship involves a 24-7 everyday lives. Worship, especially in the sense of spiritual growth, is something that each of us must do as individuals. Listen to the elders and the living creatures in 512, where they say in full song, the slain lamb is worthy. Take the power the wealth, the wisdom, the strength, take the honor, the glory, the blessings. Why do you think, why do you think that they say he's worthy of power? Doesn't he already have power? Isn't he already all powerful, all knowing? What they're saying here is, listen, no, take my power. I'm going to live my life so that the power of my life goes to you. I'm going to live my life so the glory of my life goes to you. I'm going to live my life so the glory of my adoration goes to you. God, I'm saying, here I am, and all this stuff, anything that comes to me, I'm giving it back to you. I have people come to me all the time and say, James, this is great and whatever. And I say, listen to me. No, 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 this is a God thing. This is a God thing because any gift I have, anything that I can do, any place that I go, it's all because of God. And God gets the glory and the honor. And when we begin to live our lives in that way, we begin to have an authentic 24-7 worship experience with God that can change us and change the world around us. God is, God is ready. He's ready to have that kind of experience with us. Well, this is what Paul was saying in Romans chapter 12, 1 through 2. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walk around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. And then they go on and say, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognizing what he wants from you and quickly responding to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to his level of immaturity, growth, God brings out the best in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. See, worship involves the way that we live our lives. It is who we are before God, both physically and spiritually. It's who we are before God, both publicly and privately, both internally and externally. So what does your worship look like today? Are you going through the motions? Or do you have this walk in the cool of the day relationship between you and your spiritual trainer, Jesus, as you come before the throne? What are you worshiping? You know what I've discovered? That whatever preoccupies the majority of our time and our talents and our treasures is what we're worshiping. 
It's as simple as that. So today, we're going to, we're going to move into a, a worship and song experience here. And, and I want us, I want us like the 24 elders to realize who God is and who we are. And, and, and I want us not to just kind of sing something with our lips, but be listening to God and, and, and I call, ask God to show us ourselves and, and see if there's anything that is separating us from the ability to worship him authentically. And in this moment of, of singing the worship, maybe just maybe you'll surrender. Maybe just maybe today, if maybe if you didn't even know Jesus, you didn't even come into this place or start this video knowing Jesus, maybe today, you would say, God, I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. So would you stand today at home and in the auditorium, if you can, and without reservation, would you worship the one who is worthy of our worship? It's not about we're not worshiping a political figure here. We're not worshiping a financial accountant here. We're not worshiping some boss or some supervisor. We're worshiping the one who created it all and the one who for everything was created. Let's worship together. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, worship Your holy sun comes up, it's a new day dawn, it's time to sing your song again, whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing in the Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, worship Your holy name. We sing your
says in the scripture, Psalm 96, sing God a brand new song. Earth and everyone in it, sing. Sing to God. Worship God. Shout the news of his victory from sea to sea. Take the news of his glory to the lost. News of his wonders to one and all. For God is great and worth a thousand hallelujahs. His terrible beauty makes the gods look cheap. Pagan gods are mere tatters and rags. God made the heavens. Royal splendor radiates from him. A powerful beauty sets him apart. Bravo, God. Bravo. Everyone join in the great shout. Encore. In all before the beauty and all before the might. Bring gifts and celebrate. Bow before the beauty of God. Then to your knees, everyone worship. Get out the message. God rules. He put the world on a firm foundation. He treats everyone fair and square. Let's hear it from sky with earth joining in. And a huge round of applause from the sea. Let wilderness turn cartwheels. Animals come dance. Put every tree of the forest in the choir. An extravaganza before God as he comes. As he comes to set everything right on earth. Set everything right and treat everyone fair. See, let us join in that echo. All creation, everything he spoke into existence, glorifies the name of the Lord. 
all of creation worships him. And we get to join in that chorus both in heaven and on earth. So let's continue to declare his praises. Let's continue to, to declare his goodness all throughout the earth. Let's let our praise rise as we continue to worship this morning. God of creation, there at the start, for the beginning of time. With no point of rift, he spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of life. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. In the vapor of your breath, the planets form. If the stars are made to worship, so alive, I can see your heart in Every burning star, signal fire of grace. If creation sings your praises, so will I. So will I. 
Is the Lord 
Father, we like the 24 elders and the living creatures sitting in your presence, understanding who you are and who we are. And so, Father, in this moment, we have no illusions about our own stuff. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. And so, Father, would you help us to afresh and anew as belongers and believers surrender everything that we are, everything that we will ever be, our past, our present, our future. Would you help us to surrender it to you afresh and anew? There are moments in our lives that you call us to a fresh surrender. You call us to take stuff again to Mount Moriah and there to sacrifice it before you. And I just believe that these, this is one of those moments. And so would you help us, God, the Holy Spirit, point out the stuff that needs to be surrendered, point out the stuff that needs to come to a place of laying it down before you. And then, Father, as we surrender, would you come and fill us afresh and anew with your presence, your presence that has the power to set us free from all the things that keep us from being exactly who you want us to be, the things that keep us from worshiping the way you want us to worship you. And so here we are, Father, such as we are. Would you take and mold and make and use and fill us afresh and anew? And then, my Father, maybe there's someone here who, who does not have a relationship with you, but who needs a relationship with you. And so we're, so we're so glad that you're the God who goes before, that before we even know who you are and what you've done and your ability to transform our lives, you send your spirit and, and your grace that goes before us, that turns on our, our minds and our spirit to you. And so today, Father, if someone doesn't know you and they want to know you, they can just kind of pray a prayer simply like this. God, I thank you. I thank you. And you are worthy of worship. And so, Father, I lay down my pride and my sin and my selfishness. And I ask you to forgive me for that. And, Father, I want to worship you. I want to know you so I can worship you. And so reveal yourself to me, God, the Holy Spirit. Reveal your word to me. Reveal your truth to me. And, well, Lord, would you help it to transform me from the inside out so I might know you and worship you. Thank you for what you're doing in these moments, God. Thank you for being the God who is faithful, even when we're faithless. And so we cry out with the saints of old, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Thank you, Father. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, in a couple of minutes, the ushers are going to come and, and dismiss you. But let me say something to you today. If you need someone to pray with you, we'd be glad to do that. I'll be over there for a couple of seconds or I can meet you at the door or you can email me at james at salemfields.com. We would love to pray with you. If you've made a decision, we would love to know about it. And as an old worship leader of mine used to say, your worship has just begun because it's a 24-7 relationship, love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Please be seated. The ushers will come and dismiss you. God bless you. Love you guys.
See you next week. Well, there you have it, Sale Fields. Um, I hope you walked away this morning uh, understanding that um, what it is to have a heart of worship and that this week as we go out in this week that we will take um, the the heart of worship uh, with us in everything that we do, um, to our jobs, to uh, our our commute, in the car, um, whatever it is that we can just lift up our our, our heart to worship of God in everything and everything. Uh, everywhere we go this week. Hey, make sure you're staying connected with us, um, you know, by being part of our Deeper Dive. Uh, it happens every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on our Facebook page. You can also be uh, connected with us by being part of uh, our small group. So if you want to be part of a small group, make sure to email us at smallgroups.salemfields.com. We want to make sure you're best connected. And then, hey, if you want to, um, every Sunday at 1015 to 1045, we have our live Zoom lobby time, and we'd love to get to know you that are watching and worshiping um, online with us each and every week. We hope you have a great week, and we can't wait to see you back next week. God bless.